This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss the issues of God and culture. Uh, I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And my guest today is Jarita Williams, who is student body president here at Dallas Theological Seminary. And you're halfway through your term, I guess. So yes, how's it going? It's going pretty, pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Keeps you busy? Oh, my word. Yes, it does. <laughs> a good busy. A good, a good busy. busy? Okay, that's yeah. good. And how, and how far along are you in the program here at Dallas? So this is my third year in the THM okay. program. So I'm almost there. I see okay. the light at the end of you the tunnel. You do see light. I, well, sometimes I ask third-year students, and they're not quite so sure if there's a light at the end oh, of the I'm tunnel. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm glad you're living with eschatological hope. That's a good thing. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So we've asked Jarita in here because she um, presided over a student chapel that we had um, uh, a few weeks ago in which she walked us through her family background, which I think is interesting because it, we're going to talk a little bit about life as an African-American in America and a little bit about uh, about how within the church we can do a better job of communicating with one another, uh, having come from different backgrounds and being of, of different races, that our oneness in Christ is something that uh, that helps to drive us together. And, and to work uh, towards that and to do a better job of it because our default doesn't necessarily mean that it works uh, so well and our history can show that. And so we thought a journey through, uh, through that kind of history with a specific example and then a, just a conversation between the two of us uh, would be a good thing. We've been working together on, on these issues here on campus for a while, and then uh, there's been an ongoing conversation between the Hendricks Center and many of our students about this. We're now, I think, well into our third year and having that conversation as well. So it's, it's part of a larger discussion that, that exists on our campus that we think um, is an attempt to model um, in church context the, the kind of conversations we can have. Yeah, so that's the hope. Yeah. And and we really do appreciate you taking the time to be with us no, and coming. That's my on. honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dig back. We're going to go back mm-hmm. into the genealogy. Mm-hmm. So how you know, this is actually an interesting question to ask anybody. Uh, how far back are are you aware of your family roots? I mean, how far back can you go? Yeah. So uh, on my uh, maternal side, on my mother's side, um, we can go back four generations mm-hmm. um, to my great great grandfather, and on my dad's side, we go back to my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting because I do have a cousin who does a wonderful job with keeping us um, abreast of um, every family has one of absolutely. us. Absolutely, <laughs> and he is um, yeah. he is just amazing with um, just keeping the books. Mm-hmm. And our genealogy up to date, so that um, we'll just know, you know, where we ca- where we came from as much as possible. But I think the the beauty of it is, um, as a, a Black American mm-hmm. who descended from um, people who were enslaved, um, we had an oral tradition mm-hmm. that was handed down, and he took it upon himself to. Um, 
write it down for us from a cousin um, that continued to tell the story over and over again at every reunion that we had. And um, so he just um, did a wonderful job with uh, making sure we had had it written down so that uh, people like me, uh, cousins <laughs> like me, uh, could read it and could understand it. And my nieces could um, can now take hold of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, I wasn't planning to discuss this, but it's an mm. interesting point. The whole orality aspect of how we pass on family traditions mm-hmm. i mean because you know in our family we don't have a there's no bach book anywhere mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. uh, but we had an aunt we had an aunt who has traced my the family on my uh, wife's side back uh, 15 generations oh, oh wow yeah mm-hmm. and actually um, back in the days of of when max first came out okay yeah. so this is back in the <laughs> 80s and 90s oh, yeah. um Put together a series of eight by eleven sheets and did a genealogical tree, which she then they she had lithographed into a full mm. thing that's on our back wall in our in our dining room, mm. and with a little capsuled story for each person for whom she had information. Oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, it is. Pre- in fact, people walk into our house and uh, they walk into our dining room and it's sitting on the back wall and they go, "What is what that? What is that? Yeah." yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tree yeah. like you've never Indeed. seen before. Yeah, it is. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, and it, and it was all a combination of of people who sat down and recorded these little snippets that you're talking about that yeah. were used to be passed on uh, orally. So, yeah. uh, so that's fascinating. So, so let's let's talk about uh, talk about your family and uh, which I'll let you decide whether you talk about your dad's side or your mom's side. <laughs> you, you get oh, the, I must talk about both. Okay, <laughs> no, but which first? Uh, I will talk about my my mom's first. That's okay, kinda, that's kind of how I um. um Entered into it for the chapel. Uh-huh. Um, when I was thinking about the genealogy, I thought about Christ, our Redeemer, um, embodied, right? And so um, part of my hope is that the embodiment of who I am mm-hmm. as an, uh, an African-American or a black um, female, uh-huh. um, me being present wherever I am, whether it's in church, whether it's at DTS, whether it's um, in the grocery store, that the embodiment of who I am is a, is a story of contemporary um, history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, starting with my mother, other side um so my mother is the daughter of Gesson and George Gibson. Mm-hmm. George is the son of Morgan Gibson, and Morgan is the son of George Papa Gibson. Okay. And that's as far as I know that we can go back. And when so you George, say Papa, you're at the top of the line. Huh? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know Papa Gibson, uh-huh. but that's who you know. Okay. As as the story goes along, um, that's who they call him because there were several Georges, including my grandfather. Uh-huh. So um, to distinguish between uh-huh. um, the Georges, uh-huh. and so um, George Gibson. Uh, with a P, actually, mm-hmm. um, was a, a enslaved, uh-huh. and so he was sold um, from North Carolina into um, Hale County, mm-hmm. Alabama, uh-huh. which is where I'm from. I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is in Hale County. Okay. Um, but as um, slavery was abolished in 1865, um, around that time, he in um, and Violet Hearns, um, he was sold into the Hearns, or I'm sorry, to Tate Evans. In Hale County, Alabama, mm-hmm. upon uh, on that farm or on that plantation, and um, but worked in the Hearns community mm-hmm. in Hale County, and mm-hmm. so. Um, uh, as slavery was abolished, the institution was abolished, they uh, got married, and then they moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is where I am from. So are we in the middle of the 1800s? How far back are we uh-huh. About 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
right just before the 1800s. Okay. Um, so he was sold at seven years old okay. um, from North Carolina. And so we'd say maybe about 1700, uh, 1780s um, up until um, the 1800s, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, okay, so this goes all the way back just about to where the to the founding of our country almost. Abs- absolutely, I, which I think is imperative for us to remember. It's uh-huh. not that far um, back, and I know it seems like we are a, an old country, but we are not. No, you know? no, you go to Europe, you go to Europe <laughs> yes, and you know that immediately. Yeah. Absolutely, You walk absolutely. in the United States, you know, company since uh, 1885. You go back to in Europe, and it's, we've been here since 1053. Yeah. You know? Or you go to Africa, yeah, exactly. uh, countries in Africa, and you understand how, um, just how young we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the going back um, through through my genealogy is so important and imperative for us to understand is because um, the implications are still being um, played out. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's why it's important for us to kind of walk through it as um, a verbal embodiment of um, the history. So, uh, so this early generation, uh, uh, he ended up um, becoming a, a free man, a freed man, I he guess. Mm-hmm. He did. Okay, yeah. and uh, and and people may or may not understand how um, how slavery itself worked. Um, I've been to South Africa, where we kind of been, get on the other end of the story, if you will, and. Uh, how how people were literally, and this was happening around the world in different places where people were literally being taken out of the context in which they lived, put on boats, and brought over, and they were regarded as um, more as property than as people. Not more as property. Yes, yeah, I mean, no, right. not more. That's I right. mean, absolutely chattel. Yeah. yeah. And so chattel is, um, you know, capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so the commodity were black bodies. Mm-hmm. And so um, just remembering that the Imago Dei, for, for those of us who, who trust in Christ um, and believe in the triune God, um, the Imago Dei was um, – was violated mm-hmm. and so on on multiple levels mm-hmm. and so i think reckoning with that um helping us to understand that we um have to re- to recognize that um that that's the history that's my history and that's mm-hmm. american history it's mm-hmm. not just black history it's not just jarita's history it's american history and that, and that we um i think as america we can be ahistorical um mm-hmm. and so that i think um, really clouds the way that we see um the implications that play out in our contemporary history and so um just remembering the middle passage remember the the, the triangle of of trade of, of black bodies um didn't just um happen here in, in north america but um throughout the dias- diaspora we just happen to understand what the truth is about that and mm-hmm. how can we restore shalom to um the shalom that was violated mm-hmm. and of course as i mentioned this was happening globally uh, i remember uh, uh i befriended this last trip to south africa uh, uh, got to know a, a african pastor very very well who ministers in the cape town area in fact we've done his testimony here on the on the table, we haven't released it yet, but uh, but anyway, uh, and he he has done the same thing with his family. He's mm-hmm. traced his family back, and in the midst of telling the story of his family and some of his relatives, there were people who are brought over from India into Africa with the same kind of right. in the same kind of way. So it's uh, we sometimes think this is just a, a, an American issue, but it actually was uh, something that was going on globally. Mm-hmm. And that uh, let, let's talk a little about the impact of this because part of what we want to look at is the impact of what the historical story tells us. Um, 
and uh, what when, when people are treated not as people but as mm-hmm. part of commerce, um, it the the problem becomes the dynamics of what that means for the relationships and for the families that are involved because people are moved around and family units are not kept intact necessarily, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so it produces a very dis- socially disruptive way for a segment of our society to be living. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the part where um, I can personally speak into you uh, because my my great great grandfather, George Papa Gibson, was sold at seven. Mm-hmm. And so his mother, um, the story that we have is, is that his mother um, could only give him um, a thread and, and needle, mm-hmm. a needle and thread. And so um, if you ever see us, most of the time, if we have a reunion, we have a needle and a thread on our shirts because that's the only thing that he at seven years old had um, when he, he sold um, hundreds of miles away from his mother. Mm-hmm. And so not only that, but his father had nothing that he could say about it because uh-huh. he didn't belong um, to the right family or he um, wasn't um, seen as a man. And so mm-hmm. he couldn't save or lead his family. Mm-hmm. I think those are some of the things that when we're when we're entering into um, evangelicalism, specifically white evangelicalism, and, and we have a certain structure of what a family should look like, we mm-hmm. have to go back and look at what um, uh, the institution of slavery has done for us. And so when we say that, you know, it was a global um, institution or as a global a movement um, with with slavery or people being enslaved. We have to remember that, you know, for America, um, we're this the only unique country that was built on that kind of uh, supremacy. That mm-hmm. only only built on enslaving an entire people only for the color of their skin, mm-hmm. not because they were sp- uh, spoils from war or anything like that. Is because they were um, brought here for the very reason to be enslaved. Mm-hmm. That's it. So that's I think the difference um, that we have to um, wrestle with and and have to um, ensure that we understand the difference between um, any other um, country, I think. Mm-hmm. So so he was uh, sold into sl- uh, slavery at seven, and, and then I, the other end of the story, I guess, is, is that he was freed on the other end, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, which – and so there was a family – there, there was a family that came out of, of that was, process. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the next generation was? So the next generation was Morgan. So he married Violet Hearns, and they had uh, six children. Mm-hmm. And of those six children, Morgan is my great-grandfather. Okay. And so from Morgan and um, uh, Leela Royster, they uh, married, and then they had my granddaddy, George mm-hmm. Papa Gibson. He just um, left us in 2009 mm-hmm. at 92. And mm-hmm. so um, – the, the beauty, I think, of um, of how God restores and redeems even out of an evil institution like um, chattel slavery in America is that uh, we thrive. Mm-hmm. And so my, my great grandfather had the opportunity um, to purchase land after he was free. And mm-hmm. um, I think that goes back to to um, how can the church um, look into some of the things that um, were taken from people, mm-hmm. um, whole groups of people, not just individuals. Um, in order to uh, restore and repair those systems that um, continue to keep um, people like my family um, enslaved and oppressed. And so by the grace of God, um, even even today, there's a Gibson Town mm-hmm. um, in Tuscaloosa. Mm. And um, there was a community that was set up by uh, my great-grandfather, Morgan, and, and his brothers and cousins. Um, they built a church, um, mm. an African-American uh, church, St. Paul, that mm. my uh, aunt still attends. Huh. Uh, yeah, and so I think that's part of the um, the 
the the framework for theology that African Americans had, um, mm-hmm. even though um, there there were violations of of their entire beings, mm-hmm. um, they still praised and worshipped the true and living God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a theology that we have to look at mm-hmm. um, in order for us to have a holistic view mm-hmm. of what theology uh, means in in America. Mm-hmm. And I'll, we'll come back to this, but one of the interesting features of this, this is a little sidebar, is um, is thinking through uh, how far back a person's reach is historically, again, talking about orality. Yeah. Um, you knew your granddad. I did. And, and so I imagine you probably had some conversations about, about some of your family with Absolutely. him. Yeah. And so he, as you said, he died at 92. So he goes back pretty far. And mm-hmm. the people that he knows, they go mm-hmm. back pretty far. Mm-hmm. So what, it's what I call the ancestral reach in, in mm-hmm. orality mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. Um, I had in, in my house someone – she wasn't a relative, but she helped raise me mm-hmm. – who could take me back to the latter part of the 1800s with mm-hmm. the stories that, mm-hmm. that they were aware of. And then my wife had a grandmother who lived to be uh, just over 100. She could take you back almost to the Civil War mm-hmm. and, and with people she knew who lived then. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. you know, so we uh, – it's what I call the reach, and the mm-hmm. reach goes back – uh, sometimes a century or more. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's an interesting feature of the dynamics of how this works. Yeah. So um, so let's so your granddad formed this community and and was uh, came out of a Christian background. One of the interesting things uh, that you that we can get into and that I think is 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 fascinating about African American culture is is the way in which hymns work in the life oh, yeah. of people and mm-hmm. and. The types of things that are sung about and the way in which um, God is addressed in the midst of the situation in which the African American community found itself. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, so when you talk about worship in the midst of this, mm-hmm. I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're you're serious about that. Oh, serious indeed. Yeah. Uh, Harriet Tubman is one of my favorite people um, in history. And um, when I think about um, how she was a liberator, um, called Moses by the people who um, she freed, I, I think about um, you know people who are in my lineage. I don't have to go to someone like Harriet Tubman to mm-hmm. um, to be a hero for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I remember how. Um, my grandfather, because I didn't know his dad, but how my grandfather um, sang and how he prayed, and that had to come from um, a lineage of picking cotton mm-hmm. in the fields. Um, my dad, the same way, um, some of the hymns that they would um, they would line, they would call lining a hymn um, in the church, and um, there was a call and response that I didn't appreciate as much mm-hmm. when I was a child. I wish I would have. Um, I wish I would have drawn out of my granddaddy more than I did. He was he was a he was a, a quiet, kind of mild man. Mm-hmm. Um didn't do a whole lot of talking about himself. Uh-huh. I'm talking about George Gibson, my mom's dad. Uh-huh. Um didn't do a whole lot of talking about himself, but he shared um some of the stories about um what the white man did. Mm-hmm. And, and there was actually, yes, the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um there so there's this so there's this um innate distrust Mm -hmm. of white people um for for good reason Mm -hmm. and um there's this 
I, I appreciate my granddaddy because he remained um, um, AME, which mm-hmm. was the church that that uh, he and his cousins and um, brothers built, um, St. Paul AME. Um, and so for people who don't know what AME is, what oh, is African it? Methodist okay. Episcopal, okay. Episcopal, and that is a denomination that had to be um, founded because um, you know uh, black people weren't accepted into um, mainstream. Uh, majority culture denominations mm-hmm. of, of church and and so there was a, a founding of um, or, or a building of that church with uh, my great grandfather Morgan and his brothers and um, I, I, what I appreciate though about um, them passing on that that lineage of salvation um, is that it, it just traces us back to um, what God calls us to do and how Jesus um, gave the word to to the apostles and the apostles gave it to um, this lineage of people who continue to orate and continue to tell about this Savior and continue to tell about who Jesus was and eventually it was written down. And mm-hmm. so I and every time I read the lineage of Christ as we're entering into the, sen- the season of Advent, mm-hmm. I think about my own lineage and how the embodiment of who we are testifies to the history of our, our wounds and our pains and also of the, the victories that, that God did bring us through but um to see my grandfather and to hear the voice and to hear the words and they still come back to me today um on on so many levels in dallas texas Mm -hmm. um to hear those uh, prayers that he would pray over us um how he encouraged me to enter into ministry he believed that i I, that i could preach the word he Mm -hmm. did not um skirt around it and um so i think that um the power that god brought us through um it just speaks to the grace of god even out of um the misery of um a history of slavery. So, um, so we're, we're uh, a few generations in here, and uh, and we've talked about the formation of this this community. Really, mm-hmm. that you, you're, you're, his grandfather was responsible for, your great grandfather, great grandfather. Okay. Well, I would say so. When George Papa Gibson mm-hmm. married uh, Violet, they came to Tuscaloosa and right. established this uh, community. And mm-hmm. so um, those six children um, received land, uh-huh. and um, we still have that land to today. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move to the next generation. And, and this is, I take it, this is your, okay, I'm not sure whether we're to your granddad or to your dad. Um, uh, let's talk about both of them uh, your granddad and your dad. Okay, so on my dad's side? Yeah. Okay, so we're moving Whichever, on my paternal which, side? <laughs> yeah, we can, we can shift no gears. Is, yeah. that, is that where the story picks up on the other side of the family? On the other side of the family, okay. sure. And right. so my dad um, was raised in Demopolis. Well, he was born in Catopa, Alabama, uh-huh. and um, raised in Demopolis, um, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, my dad's my dad's dad is Robert Hines, and then my my dad's mother is Lucille Shel- mm-hmm. Lucille William Shelton, mm-hmm. and so my dad wasn't raised with his um, father; he never mm-hmm. knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised with Ike and Laura Williams. Okay. So Ike and Laura Williams um, were sharecroppers, more so Ike. Um, Laura had. Um, Oh, did she have 12 children? Hmm. So this is my dad's grandmother and grandfather. Okay. And so um, they were sharecroppers. Welcome back to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture. My guest is Jarita Williams, our uh, current student body president here at Dallas Theological Seminary. We're discussing um, really Jarita's family and (laughs) and, uh, her family history as a kind of a a lens into an African-American life in a way that helps us to understand some of the dynamics that we that we have faced and that we currently face in, in interacting with one another level of race in the context of the church. And we're thinking through uh, just, 
just hearing the story and and what that means and as a way of gaining some understanding about the way in which um, the African American experience is different uh, than the experience of many, and so and then how that Im- impacts the way we interact with each other. So we were, I think, at your granddad on your dad's side. Granddad on my dad's okay, side. Okay, all right. I'm I'm trying to keep this in my head, which is <laughs> you did very good. <laughs> so yeah. so let's say we were we were talking about sharecropping. So mm-hmm. let's what you know uh, for people who don't know what sharecropping is. What what was sharecropping? Yeah. So. Um, in 1865, uh, the institution of slavery um, was abolished. Um, however, in Texas, you know, it yeah. came a little later. Uh-huh. Um, but there are still um, ways to keep um, black people um, continually in, oppressed and, and really enslaved. And so sharecropping was a part of that. Um, the, the 40 acres and a mule that was promised to people who were enslaved, who were black, um, were promised 40 acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them received that from um, the government. Um, I think about a million maybe um, may have received um, those reparations. Um, but at the same time, there were there were millions that did not receive anything. Mm-hmm. Um, however, those who did receive um, those 40 acres were uh, told that they would have to give um, that land back. Um, they had to move off of that land, and if they refused or if they um, said that they wouldn't move or if they um, were going to stand their ground, um, they were removed by the government. Mm. And so um, that land, they said, uh, one of the first acts that Andrew uh, Andrew Jackson at the time, the um, president at the time, um, said that uh, one of the first – one of the first amendments that he made was for them to return that land to his previous owners. Mm. And so um, that started a, a... So it was given and taken away. Given and taken away. Yeah. And, and you know, for those of us who understand um, autonomy of economics, mm-hmm. um, land is, is definitely a part of that. And so owning the land um, for African-Americans was imperative for us to... Um, to start to build our own autonomy and economics. Mm-hmm. And so um, we spent uh, 220 odd years enslaved, mm-hmm. working the lands of white owners, mm-hmm. white, white people who um, were, were, in, were enslaving people who were black, and they were told that they had to give that, give that land back. And so uh, my grandfather ended up being one of those who shared the crops. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the, the man who owned the land was a white man, and he, um, he had all of the supplies, and he had everything that my grandfather needed in order to work the land. Um, and so he was being paid, but he would always be paid in imbalance. In, in and so year after year, my, my grandfather was working to get out of this debt that he could never get out. Or my great grandfather um, was um, att- attempting to work out of this debt to get out of. So in effect, he was – make sure I understand this. In effect, he was renting the supplies he and he needed the to supplies. raise. And it was mm-hmm. done at a level in which he couldn't keep up with the Absolutely. size of the rent, mm-hmm. uh, renting the materials by what he was able to earn. And also renting the house. So okay. the, the home that they lived on was on the land so it was everything. of – Absolutely. It, their whole livelihood was on that um, on that really plantation still. Mm-hmm. And so um, my, my, my dad was one of, the, one of their grandchildren that was raised with them, and they had 12 children of their own. Mm-hmm. And um, so they would uh, work, the, work the cotton fields. 
And um, I remember my dad, one of the stories that um, I remember that he tells um, more often than, than the others is um, he remembered one um, one year at the end of the year um, they they picked 13 bells um, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to be paid for 13 bells. And um, the the man who owned the, the property um, told them they only had two. And so those are the kind of things I think that when we're talking about contemporary implications, mm-hmm. um, had had my great great grandfather been paid, mm-hmm. had my great grandfather um, uh, come out of debt, been dealt with honestly, um, then there's no there's no uh, story that could be written that that could um, have the trajectory of where our family could be now. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Now, I take it that the way in which this worked was is that he he said you only picked two, but this became part of what he then turned around and sold so that he got the remaining 11, if I'm doing my math right. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's a double injustice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, I think back to um, – what 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 the Lord says in Micah six eight and in, in the book of Proverbs, you know, unjust waits, mm-hmm. and um and these aren't just people who are who don't know um, or who don't proclaim to be Christians. Mm-hmm. These are people who are deacons in churches, mm-hmm. pastors um, who who continue to enslave my great great grandfather on my mom's side and my great grandfather as a sharecropper. And so these are the these are the implications of a black American woman who who lives with this story every single day of her life. Right, yeah. and, and you talked earlier about the distrust that sometimes exists, yeah. and that's where it comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and we talk, in my family, we talk about um, segregation and integration, what they did, and we, we can mm-hmm. move forward a little bit in that uh, later, I guess. But, you know, we, we think about how um, we had communities, um, because we were, f- we, we had to, um, communities of, of black people who were, who were doing their thing, mm-hmm. who, who had their, we had our own banks, had our own grocery stores, mm-hmm. we have our own um, businesses, funeral homes, because we were um, segregated. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were, it was the law. Mm-hmm. It was the law for um, black people to not read. My great, my great grandmother, Ike's um, wife, Laura, um, she never read. Mm-hmm. She didn't know how to read or write, but she knew the Lord. Mm-hmm. My, my dad, now that's an oral tradition my dad always talks about, mm-hmm. too. He said she may not have known how to read or write her name, but she knew the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are the things that um, when, we, when we're when we walking through what theology is, when we're walking through what reparations should look like, um, we're thinking through the, the, the actual stories of people. It's not, it's, we're not numbers and theories, and, right. and we're not monolithic either. My story isn't like everybody's that's story. Right. Yeah, I, and so I'm, 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 I'm helping. 
helping us. I'm hoping to help us um, as a church to mm-hmm. really look at what God says um, and to really look at people as people, mm-hmm. um, individuals, um, as well as corporately, and really look at the systems because that was a system that was done by the government. Yeah, um, that wasn't something that you know just one or two people did. It was an actual system. Laws were passed um, in order to continue to subjugate um, Black Americans. Yeah, I mean our 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 point, and of course, doing this is to put a face on all this to yeah. um, to to become familiar with the story that I think many mm-hmm. people uh, don't and have never heard uh, mm-hmm. the side of and who who don't understand what's under, what stands underneath certain words um, mm-hmm. you know they may have heard about slavery but to actually think about what mm-hmm. that involved they may have heard about sharecropping but they may not understand what that actually involved and mm-hmm. here are people who live through it this was their daily existence mm-hmm. And and to see this happening on a regular basis and to watch it happen, yeah. and what that does in in you know in creating dysfunctional relationships really, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so that's why we're that's why we're telling the story. Okay, so we've got your mm-hmm. we've got I think we've got your granddads on both sides of your family covered. Let's go to your to your uh, to your parents on both sides of your family. So yeah. so uh, again. You, Mother's side or <laughs> father's side, you get to make the call. Well, I'll start with my dad since okay. I started with my mom, um, my mom's side first, and we, we landed on my dad last. Okay. So uh, my dad, like I said, he grew up with um, – with his grandparents, and um, it's it's. Uh, I'll start with a story actually um, of something that I, I just posted actually on my Instagram uh, mm-hmm. for for Thanksgiving. I was just being grateful, and I um, took a picture of of. Um, this log stack that my dad did, and he mm. he did this every year that I was mm-hmm. growing up. He he has a a lot of a lot of of um, firewood uh-huh. in the back of our um in the back of our home because he loves fire and, and so do I. Uh-huh. And um, I took a picture of that because it reminds me of his work ethic, mm-hmm. which he learned on an, a plantation really mm-hmm. from his grandfather. Mm-hmm. But that's the work ethic that has helped him and allowed him to be who he is today. And so my dad. Um, I uh, met my mom mm-hmm. in um, in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my dad, um, his friend, was dating my mom's sister, and they ended up uh, meeting um, when they were picked up. And so when when we think about this, though, I want us to think about the segregation that was in place at the time. My, mm-hmm. my parents were, um, or my, my mom's and my mom and her sister and her and my grandmother um, went to go pick up my 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 dad and and my dad's friend, who's now my uncle mm-hmm. or who's my uncle, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, they were drinking still out of uh, colored water, water fountains mm-hmm. and white water fountains. Yeah, now I live. I, I, I may not look it, but I go back that far. So, <laughs> uh, so go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so, so when when we're thinking about this, my my mom and my dad are uh, they're courting, mm-hmm. and they're having to court in in a system that segregates them from people who look like you, mm-hmm. and so. Um, they're not able to move as freely as you would mm-hmm. as um, a, a white American. Um, but they met, and um, my dad was drafted into um, – well, that they met while he was um, in the Army, but he was drafted into the Army, and so he went to Vietnam 
and I think 68 or 69. Yeah, I remember the picture that you showed of him in his, yeah. in his military uniform mm-hmm. in the chapel. And that's one thing I also wanted to um, just celebrate with my father and my dad. Um, many times when we think about veterans, we don't think about um, black veterans. Mm-hmm. We don't think about um, a man, my father, who was drafted mm-hmm. by government mm-hmm. who continued to keep him segregated. Mm-hmm. And w- it, I remember him telling this story about him returning from Vietnam. He said when he left, the signs were up mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, colored um, restrooms, colored water fountains, white water fountains, white restrooms. But when he returned, the signs had come down because I, I, he returned in 70 and then he married my mom in mm-hmm. August of 70. And so I remember him saying the signs had come down visibly, but it was still an in- invisible. You know your place mm-hmm. so much so that he he. Um, he received a job. He got mm-hmm. a job. Not received it. He got a job at a meat packing company, and he and uh, a white coworker had gone to uh, get lunch. Mm-hmm. And when he uh, got to the establishment, they told the white man that he can get his lunch at the counter here. But he, my dad, had to go to the back of the establishment to get his lunch. Mm-hmm. And so th- now the laws have been passed. Jim Crow, Jane Crow. Um, um, were supposedly to be um, abolished, but the invisible the systems remain. were still yeah, I, there. I, 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 I'm sure you know who Dorothy Burton is, who's sure. who graduated mm-hmm. the seminary, mm-hmm. and she's told she grew up in East Texas, mm-hmm. and she tells almost the exact same story uh, yeah. uh, about about when she go went to get meals and that the the uh, the white people would come in the front, right, and uh, and the blacks were at the back door, mm-hmm. and that was how they got. That was how they were fed at the at the at the restaurant. So, it's um, you know, it's 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 actually amazing to to realize that uh, it has gone on, has gone on, and is in some cases is going on that long. That, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That. Uh, that it's still the case. Um, I'm aware of n- numerous stories like the one that you've told, where um, here the whites go in the front door and the mm-hmm. blacks are, are in a different place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and the irony of that, of course, is the uh, the fact that here's your dad, um, as you said, drafted by the government, fought in. Mm-hmm. I take it in Vietnam. In Vietnam, mm-hmm. and. Um, fighting for the very freedoms that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and this is what he comes home to. Mm-hmm. And see, these are the receipts that I'm, I'm hoping that America uh, uh-huh. understands. Uh-huh. Uh, because not, o- not only is it the, the government, but the integration and the conflation, I think, of the government and, and religion, mm-hmm. and the government and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping that um, not, not just white Americans, but, um, but that all of us will have a a, a firm understanding, a, a, a better grasp of of the history, in order for us to point to Christ, mm-hmm. in order for us to decentralize whiteness and mm-hmm. to centralize Christ, mm-hmm. in order for the body to move forward. And mm-hmm. so, um, I'm thinking about some of the some of the the missionaries and some of the theologians that we hail that in, that enslaved um, people who look like me. And so, my dad is coming back home to a, a home mm-hmm. where. In, in in the world, he didn't have to be segregated. He mm-hmm. didn't have to be separated. But when he returns home, you know, he's returning home to a segregated Alabama. Mm-hmm. And and I remember um, 
you know, this or remember, this is only, you know, about, you know, six or seven years removed from 1963, you mm-hmm. know, when um, um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is jailed in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. These these eight clergymen, white clergymen, are they're telling him, follow the law, follow the order. And the law at that time was black people. You are still inferior black people. You are separated, separate, but equal. And I remember my mom just we were just talking about this the other day, um, th- that separate but equal um, when when they were in in their schools were in you know outhouses sometimes mm-hmm. their their schools were um, they didn't receive the same amount of funds and mm-hmm. that still continues today in our educational right. systems yeah. you know and so what we have to um, remember is that this isn't something that's in the vacuum where mm-hmm. we're living today isn't in a vacuum this happened uh, strategically and intentionally mm-hmm. in order for um, um, a particular group to remain in power and a particular particular group to remain oppressed and and subjugated and so you know when my father's coming back home into these systems it's not far removed from um you know george wallace standing in the door of the university of alabama five 5.5 miles from where i grew up mm-hmm. um and, and that was only 14 years before i was born mm-hmm. and so when we're thinking through those things this is a this is a the the subculture mm-hmm. that jarita lives in every single day see and i remember growing up and watching all that happened on television. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we, you know, we. I was in Texas, but, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but we, you know, the whole civil rights movement unfolded in, in my, as, as I was uh, hitting my teen years, yeah. basically, and um, just watching that happen and trying to come to grips with. Uh, and I did not grow up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. but just trying to come to grips with the way people would treat other people, and yeah. and, and there was a sense of. There's something here that's that's not right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just it, there's something off, and um, and and so in, in the context of the church where we are, you know, the great reconciliation passage probably in the New Testament is Ephesians two mm-hmm. eleven to twenty two, where you watch mm-hmm. Jew and Gentile who had a history yeah. of great division. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Gentiles tried to wipe, wipe uh, the Jewish religion off the face of the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, And we're not talking the Holocaust here. Mm-hmm. This is back in the Maccabean War. And so uh, – and and yet here is Christ coming in and, and saying, no, Jews and Gentiles were designed by God in his program of salvation to live and work together. That's right. And to – and I love the little – there's a little Greek prefix. You're going to smile when I say this. A little <laughs> Greek prefix, soon. Soon. I knew it. <laughs> yes. With. Yeah, it's uh-huh. coming soon, but it doesn't, but it doesn't mean it's it coming mean it's soon. Coming it means, soon. means right. it's coming together. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, so you're sitting here talking about how, how, do you, how, how God can take broken hearts yeah. and – meld them together with enough mutual respect and sensibility and sensitivity and and listening and engagement that they actually do begin to work to come together and to see um, and respond to the things that are going on in such a way uh, that that the whole body of Christ is affirmed. Absolutely. And uh, um, and so uh, so I think it's an important part of the overall story. Um, to think through that and to face up to the fact that that there are things that still go on that are uh, reflections of what has gone on because most people have have made a move I think in their minds that we have moved out of that but yeah. we, and and it's one of those we have and we haven't 
Some things mm-hmm. have changed. Mm-hmm. Science mm-hmm. came down, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some things have not changed. The separation still exists. Absolutely. And so, um, uh, and so that's part of what's important uh, in thinking through the, uh, the awareness of what, of what we're talking about here. So, so we're talking about your, your uh, dad. What about your mom? You've, you've yeah. mentioned her in some <laughs> conversations. So I, yeah. I take it you all have talked a lot about this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Well, see, this is the experience of, of, um, of, of, of me growing mm-hmm. up in Alabama, growing up with parents mm-hmm. who, who, who was not afraid of, of our history, who's not ashamed of our history, mm-hmm. um, who made sure my siblings and I understood exactly who we are and who, where we came from. And um, so I have, I have a mother who loves history and I have a father who, um, who loves history and appreciates um, where, we, where we've been and where we are now. And uh, I just wanted to say about um, my, my parents courting in, mm-hmm. in a system um, that really would try to keep them apart, really, mm-hmm. um, really doesn't celebrate black love, really mm-hmm. doesn't celebrate um, being uh, married. And, and you have to remember, too, that in, in um, the institution of slavery, um, it wasn't even legal for, for black people to be married in the system of government. And so I'm um, just remembering those things and, and, and God um, bringing my parents together is I think it's a beauty, a beautiful tapestry of um, of his grace and his mercy. Um, but, yeah, I remember George Wallace um, standing. Or I don't remember, but mm-hmm. George Wallace standing in the door. But he also for his inaugural address said that uh, segregation today, segregation um, tomorrow, and segregation forever. And that reminds me of scripture, it reminds me of Jesus Christ yeah, today, yesterday, and forever. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so my parents are growing up and they're right there in Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. That's something that's removed. And so my mother, um, when, when um, doc, I mean, not doctor, but George Wallace stood in, in that door of the University of Alabama. My mother was going to Steelman College, mm. which is a, an African-American or uh, HBCU, a historically black mm-hmm. college and university. And those were established because we couldn't get into mm-hmm. um, uh, University of Alabama. And it's not because we weren't qualified to get into mm-hmm. it. And remember, it was illegal for slaves to read or write. Mm-hmm. And so the qualifications, see, these are the systems that can keep you out. Exactly. And so the qualifications yep. to get into a University of Alabama, of course you couldn't get in because the, the educational system was imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And so my mother went to uh, Stillman College. And she um, ended up, uh, when she was pregnant with me, she ended up going to the University of Alabama. Mm. And she um, got her um, her graduate degree, her second graduate degree, actually, um, when she was pregnant with me. Mm. And so I think about that, and I think about my mom and how she loves education, how she made sure that my parents, I mean, my siblings and I did well in school. And she got that from her dad, mm-hmm. her dad and her, and, my, and her mom. They made sure that their children, my dad, my granddad worked um, I think about 40, I think she said about 47, 48 years mm-hmm. at um, the particular um, trucking company that he worked for. And he made sure that every time um, tuition was due for my, my mom and her sisters and her brother, that um, they had their part. And my mom does the same with me <laughs> when I ask her about um, DTS mm-hmm. and how am I going to get to the next semester? She said, well, where's your part? <laughs> and so, um, but, but the, I think the, the, the tradition of working, mm-hmm. the tradition of um, you have to do your part as well is definitely instilled in us. But when we think about that, we have to also think about the systems that intended to make sure we didn't get an education. Right. And so that's um, like I said, a 5.5 miles. Um, I grew up from uh, around the corner from 
um, from the University of Alabama, and my mm-hmm. mom had um, a significant part in in who um, who we were in understanding those significances. You know, it's interesting. We're we're, we're rapidly running out of time, which oh, is yeah. a little bit unfortunate. But uh, it strikes me in many ways how fortunate you've been to have mm-hmm. the kind of pedigree that that you have that was that persevered in the mm-hmm. midst of all mm-hmm. the things that we've been talking about, um, which wasn't the which isn't and wasn't the case for many exactly and uh and 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 so the the way the structure worked is that a lot of people got beat down in the structure uh and Mm -hmm. in in a way that was um, not healthy and didn't allow for the personal development and the personal flourishing and the way in which they could contribute their full potential Mm -hmm. uh not just for their own lives but for the sake of, of people around them and so uh, Dorita, I really do thank you for coming in and telling us uh, your story. And uh, we, we've actually, I'm, I'm realizing we only got a part and bits and pieces, sure. but they're, but they are significant bits and pieces. They're they're tasty morsels, if you will, uh, of what's going on. Yeah. And 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 I hope that people sense the kind of conversation that we're having that is that puts a face on what we're talking about and it's part of what we're doing on campus it's part of what we're trying to do to help understand one another and create a kind of uh, mutual um, understanding and respect for one another that allows us to show our oneness in Christ so I thank you for helping us do that today. thank you Dr. Black I appreciate it and we thank you for being a part of the table and we hope you'll join us again Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?